Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Mateo, and I'm back with the second part of my story. I'll give you a brief summary for those of you who haven't seen part one. You can click on this link to watch the first part of my story in full. I've never met my grandfather in my life. An attorney called me out of the blue. He said my grandfather had passed, but he recorded a video for me beforehand. In the video, my grandfather said, If you spend a million dollars in 24 hours, you will inherit my hundred million dollar fortune. However, he had some rules. You can't buy assets such as a house or a car. You're only allowed to spend the money for yourself, and you can't use the internet or a phone. At 9 a.m. that morning, my 24-hour challenge began. I rented a luxury car, booked the royal suite at a hotel, ate super expensive meals. However, I still had $798,000. That's when I got an idea. I played the lottery and bought scratch-off tickets with the rest of the money. Turns out, my luck was just too good. One of the tickets won the million-dollar jackpot at the last minute. I was back to square one. The clock struck midnight, and I had to find a place to spend another million dollars before nine in the morning. That's the recap for part one. So let's start from where I left off. You want a million dollars, son? The owner of the lottery shop screamed, handing me the scratch-off card. I showed the card to Justin, the attorney's assistant. There are no more scratch-off tickets left in this shop. How can I spend all this money in the middle of the night? Well, you have another problem, Justin said. We spent all the cash in the briefcase. Right now, all you have is a single ticket worth a million dollars. Since you don't have time to exchange it for cash, you'll have to spend it on a single item. Ugh, as if the challenge wasn't hard enough already, I replied. That thought stopped me in my tracks. I couldn't give up. I still had nine hours. But it's not impossible. Let's get out of here. I'm gonna spend this ticket no matter what. We started driving around in the Rolls Royce we'd rented. What's worth a million dollars can be paid with a lottery ticket and follows the rules of my grandfather's game. As I was pondering all this, we stopped at a red light. I realized I hadn't eaten yet when I saw a hot dog cart on the corner. Justin laughed aloud when he saw me staring at the hot dogs on the cart. The millionaire doesn't have a penny to spend on a hot dog. <laughs> New York really has seen it all. Justin told the driver to stop. I'm famished myself. I don't think it's against the rules to stop for a hot dog. 
The taste of that hot dog beat the $70,000 meal I had for lunch by a mile. I practically swallowed it whole. Behind us was a giant Justin Bieber concert poster. Is that you performing tonight? I laughed sarcastically, pointing at Justin next to me. I know. Normally I'd be there, he responded. <gasps> really? Are you missing the concert because of me? Sorry, man. Justin shrugged. That's okay. As someone who's been to 78 Justin Bieber shows, it's not a big deal if I don't make it to this one. 78 concerts? I asked in surprise. I never would have thought a pencil-pushing lawyer like you would be a believer. I've never thought of myself as a pencil pusher, Justin replied casually. Plus, my dad, you met him yesterday morning. He's the lawyer, not me. So my grandfather's attorney is your dad? I had no idea. So what turned you into a believer? Justin began to tell his story. It's no big deal, really. You know how Justin Bieber was discovered through YouTube? I wanted to be a singer, too. Justin was my role model in high school. I even modeled my style after his, so I thought I was guaranteed to succeed. When my dad found out I had started a YouTube channel, he was furious. These videos are the fastest way to destroy your future, son, he yelled. You're going to stop this nonsense at once and study law like a real contributing member of society. That night, my dreams of becoming a star were crushed. He made me delete my channel. When I turned 18, I changed my name from Arthur to Justin out of spite. I never gave my dad the satisfaction of seeing me go to law school either. I'm sorry that happened. How come you still work with your father even after all that? I asked. Justin replied, I have no choice right now. I'm taking music courses, but my dad doesn't know. When I graduate, I'll become a singer. Look, my dad isn't all bad though. He cares and everything. It's just, I want to live my life in my own way. It's my biggest dream to do backup vocals for him, he said, turning to the billboard behind us. Right then, a light bulb went off in my head. Well, let's go then, I shouted in excitement. Justin had a confused look on his face. Where? To realize your dream, I said as I got out of the car. I was crushed when we made it to the venue where the Bieber concert was supposed to be. There was no one around except two guys sweeping the floors. The show was over. When did the concert end? I asked him. An hour ago. One replied. Has Justin Bieber left? I asked. He opened his arms wide and shrugged. Come on, I said turning to Justin. We gotta find a way backstage. Bieber might still be around. We rushed out the door and to the other side of the building. In a matter of minutes, we arrived at a small door that read VIP entrance. There must have been at least a hundred believers at the door screaming, Justin! Justin! Told you, I said with a reassuring glance. Justin, the attorney's son, was so excited. I know what you're thinking, but Mateo, it's a long shot, he said. Where there's a will, there's a way, I said confidently. At the entrance, security guards had formed a human chain. The fans were pushing to get in every few minutes. The bouncers checking for VIP passes from each one. We'll never get by those big guys, I said to Justin. I think I know another way in. We ran back to the venue entrance. The cleaning guys were just finishing up. We need to see Justin Bieber, I said, showing them my million-dollar prize lottery ticket. At first, they seemed annoyed, angry even, but their eyes grew wider when they saw the jackpot on the ticket. Lend us your uniforms and I'll give each of you $100,000 each tomorrow morning, I assured them. The men looked at each other. What do we gotta lose, one of them said. How about our jobs, the other replied. It won't matter if we got 100 grand apiece, the first one pleaded. Reluctantly, the second worker agreed. We switched our clothes with the cleaning crew, allowing us to freely walk around the building. We headed backstage without delay. 
My heart was pounding as we got to the VIP room. Bieber himself was walking toward the exit with his guards and his manager. I was about to faint. At the last second, I called out, Justin! Justin! The guards made a move to prevent me from coming closer. Bieber called off the guards. Do you guys want to take a photo? He said politely. You guys gotta be exhausted as me after an incredible show like that. Always happy to show my thanks to the crew that made it happen. I couldn't believe what was happening. Justin Bieber was actually thanking us because he thought we worked there. We're here for something else. Justin, you, you're my last chance, I said. Justin Bieber squinted, surprised by my words. His manager interrupted. Justin, you've had enough action tonight. Let's go. Justin Bieber never broke eye contact with me. Hold up. I'm curious. What do you mean, I'm your last chance? He asked. Of course, I couldn't tell him about my grandfather's little game, but I knew how I would spend the million dollar prize. We'd like to pay you for a private concert tonight. Justin Bieber laughed. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What? I mustered up the courage to say, just three songs. How much would that cost? I asked. More than you could afford. Bieber's manager scoffed. He's exhausted right now. We got a long road ahead of us. How much? I asked. By now, Justin Bieber was watching us intently. Only six feet away from his idol, my friend Justin was tongue-tied. A million dollars, the manager said condescendingly. You can go tomorrow and get a million dollars in exchange for this, I said, showing him the scratch-off ticket. The man took a good look, scratching his chin. He turned to Justin Bieber and said, The kid's not lying. Bieber said, Guys, this is getting wild. You can keep your scratch-off ticket. I'm out. My heart dropped as Justin Bieber turned and began to walk away. This couldn't be it, could it? After everything we'd gone through, after every stroke of luck, I simply couldn't accept defeat. That's when I heard my friend Justin's voice behind me. He was singing the most incredible melody, turning every head in the room toward his voice, including Bieber's. Justin finished, his voice shaking with emotion. Singing back up on stage with you has always been my dream, he said. Bieber was so moved. Tell the band to get ready, he said to his manager. I'm sure they'll be okay with going back on stage if you tell them they'll make an extra million dollars tonight. <laughs> Justin and I hugged each other in excitement, hardly able to believe that we'd actually pulled it off. Justin Bieber sang three songs for me that night. My friend Justin did the backup vocals. The best part was that Justin Bieber loved his performance so much that he offered my new friend a job. By 2.46 a.m. that morning, the game was complete. I had finally earned the right to inherit my grandfather's $100 million fortune. When the morning came, it was time to return to the attorney's office. When we arrived, my dad was waiting for me in the meeting room, along with my grandfather's attorney. He had tears in his eyes as he opened his arms wide to give me a hug. Your grandfather left me a video telling me everything. You deserve that money, he said. But did you forgive him too? I asked. He replied, Your grandfather talked at length about how he regretted everything he'd done. When he was alive, I thought he was faking it to save face. But if he's still saying the same things even after his passing, I guess he meant it all along. To this day, we live in my grandfather's mansion. Apparently, he'd had the entire house renovated just for us, as if he was sure we would be moving in. After Justin's graduation from music school, the two of us went into the music business together, going on to produce records for several platinum artists. I'm super proud of everything we've accomplished, and I know my grandfather would be too.
I've been hit with paint, doused in spoiled milk, left speechless by blaring air horns, and so much more every single day. The world thinks it's funny, and maybe it is, from the outside looking in. But from my perspective, it's a never-ending nightmare. A nightmare that I was born into. And before you start with the, they're just pranks, bro, argument, let me tell you that when you're the victim of just a prank every day of your life, it stops being just a prank. It's psychological torture. Hey, yeah, that's me. Just to get you caught up on my story, my name is Jake, and my life has always been a bit, uh, over the top, as you can see. You see, my parents are professional pranksters. Yes, you heard right, professional pranksters. Most kids get grounded or sent to their room when they misbehave. Me? I get an air horn blast at 3 a.m. or a surprise tarantula in my cereal. Ever heard of Smith's Prank Palace on YouTube? Of course you have. A couple in their 40s acting like a pair of teenagers on spring break. And their punching bag? Yours truly. Dad always said, Humor keeps you young. But at the expense of my dignity, it didn't seem all that funny. To paint you a full picture, this is how my conversations with my parents usually go. Getting ready for our next big prank? You better sleep with one eye open tonight, winky face. Did I mention they have a strange obsession with emoji text? I tell you, my life's one big joke. Literally. Oh, this is gonna be great. Our subscribers are gonna love this one. I just hope Jake remembers we do this out of love. And for views, of course. Yeah, love. That's what they call it. One day in middle school, I had my crush, Lily, coming over to work on a science project. I specifically remember pleading with my parents, no pranks today, okay? It's important. They'd given me their word. I should have known better. The doorbell rang. My heart pounded in my chest as I opened the door to Lily. A nervous smile on my face. Suddenly, there was a shower of sour milk from above, soaking us both. Lily, I... I stammered, horrified as she wiped milk off of her glasses. My parents popped out, cameras rolling, laughter echoing. Their apology video later that night garnered more views than the prank itself. This was it. I had it. The sour milk was my tipping point. Is YouTube more important to you than your son's dignity? I screamed at them, my face still stinging from the milk. We, we didn't realize it was that bad for you, John. Mom had stuttered. The camera's finally off, her face a mixture of surprise and concern. Now, I wish I could tell you that my life had gotten better after the sour milk incident, that my parents backed off with the pranks, or that I somehow turned into the most popular kid in high school. But nope. Instead, my life had turned into a living hell of never-ending embarrassment, courtesy of Smith's Pranks Palace. From dad pretending to faint in the middle of my freshman orientation, their video titled, Hilarious Prank at High School Orientation, Must Watch, 5 Million Views, to mom barging into my chemistry class dressed as an alien, the video titled, Crashing High School Class in Alien Suit, Epic Reaction, earned a trending spot. My high school years were a montage of mortification. But the worst part wasn't the embarrassment or the name calling. It was the pity, the sympathetic glances from teachers, the awkward conversations with the school counselor. How are you handling your home situation, John? They'd ask. And so I became a bit of a loner, the prank palace boy who ate lunch in the library and avoided eye contact. And then there were the comments on YouTube. 
poor kid, they'd say, or how does he put up with them? And my personal favorite, I'd die if I were him. Every ding of a new comment, every laughter-filled reaction video felt like a punch in the gut. But what could I do? They were my parents. They fed me, clothed me, loved me in their own twisted way. Now you're probably wondering, how did I escape the constant eyes of the world? The answer is, I didn't. But I did get a change of scenery. In my yearbook, a sentence that still makes me laugh. Most likely to become a viral meme, written beneath my photo. The doors to college life swung open and I stepped through them, hoping to find an escape from my prank-infested past. I met Clara on the first day, an intro to psych. She was the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen, with long blonde hair and a laugh that could light up a room. Oh, you're the prank palace guy, she'd exclaim when we first met. Your parents are hilarious. It was my past, not me, that drew her in, but I was too smitten to care. I mean, look at that smile. As we started dating, there were red flags, like when she insisted on video calling my parents, or when she constantly brought up their YouTube earnings. But love, as you see, makes you see things through rose-colored glasses, doesn't it? It was one of those nights. Clara and I were in bed, the moonlight streaming through the window. She was mumbling in her sleep, something she did occasionally. Must get the money, she mumbled. It was followed by a soft snore. It sent a chill down my spine, but I brushed it off as just sleep talk. Over time, Clara started hanging out with Brad the buff dude from our psychology class. She'd laugh at his jokes a little too hard, touch his arm a little too often, but every time I brought it up, she'd brush it off. You're just being insecure, she'd say, her eyes not meeting mine. One night she came home late, reeking of Brad's cologne. That night, her sleep talk was a lot more telling. Brad, no, John can't know. The money, we'll take the money, she muttered in her sleep. Suddenly, everything fell into place. The late nights with Brad, her interest in my parents' earnings, it was all a part of her plan. She wasn't with me because she loved me. She was with me for the YouTube money, the fame, the lifestyle. And now she was planning on ditching me for Brad once they got what they wanted. But they'd messed with the wrong guy. I was a smith after all. The son of the world's greatest pranksters. If Clara wanted a prank, she'd get one. The prank of the century. The sweet nothing she murmured in her sleep now had a sinister edge to them. After another night of her rambling about easy cash and dumb pranksters, I finally decided to confront her. Clara, we need to talk. My voice sounded hollow in the silent room. She looked up from her phone, a perfect eyebrow raised in question. Is this about my sleep talking? <laughs> she laughed, a hollow, lifeless sound. John, I can't control what I say in my sleep. It's not just that, Clara. It's about you, Brad, and this plan of yours. Her face drained of color. You're absolutely delusional, Jake, she yells at me. I pulled out a series of printed emails that I'd found on her laptop, my heart pounding as I slapped them down on the table. The subject lines read, future plans, revenue split, and leaked prank videos. These are your email exchanges with Brad, I stated, trying to keep the tremor out of my voice. You two have been planning to hack into my parents' account to take their unreleased prank videos, start a rival channel, using my parents' content and popularity to draw in viewers, and then you want to divert the ad revenue into accounts you two have set up. She sputtered, shocked into silence. I felt a grim satisfaction at catching her off guard. 
Did you really think you could pull this off? I asked, my voice hardening. You're crazy, John. You can't prove anything. Those emails could be faked, you know? She protested, but I didn't want to hear any of it. I spent the next few days assembling my evidence, the emails and screenshots of their secret bank accounts, and compiled them into a video. Yo, Mike. I dialed my hacker friend, my voice trembling with a mix of rage and determination. I need a favor. Funny how Clara inspired my hacking idea. Mike, a guy who could hack into any network while munching on his cheeseburgers, was my only hope. I need you to hack into my parents' YouTube channel. Mike nearly choked on his burger. Are you nuts? Dude, that's illegal. I don't care. This is important. Can you do it or not? There was a big silence on the other end before he finally sighed. All right, man. I'm in. But remember, you owe me big time. With Mike's help, I uploaded the video to my parents' YouTube channel. It blew up. Gold Digger Exposed went viral. Millions of views until it got taken down by my parents. I took a deep breath, bracing myself as I hit the record button for the second time. This time, it wasn't to expose Clara or her nasty plans, but to expose my parents in the lifetime of humiliation they had subjected me to. Hello, Internet, I began, forcing a smile. John here. You might know me as the butt of the joke in many of my parents' prank videos. I paused, swallowing hard as I prepared to delve deeper. What you don't know is the toll those harmless pranks have taken on me. My entire life, I've been subjected to a constant stream of humiliation and embarrassment. I've been laughed at, bullied, and mocked for my parents' content. I've been hit with paint, doused in spoiled milk, left speechless by blaring air horns, and so much more. Every. Single. Day. The world thinks it's funny. And maybe it is, from the outside looking in. But from my perspective, it's a never-ending nightmare. A nightmare that I was born into. And before you start with the, they're just pranks, bro, argument, let me tell you that when you're the victim of just a prank every day of your life, it stops being just a prank. It's psychological torture. I uploaded the video with a lump in my throat. It didn't take long before the internet exploded. My confession resonated with a lot of people. They saw the emotion, the trauma that I had gone through, and the support messages started pouring in. As for my parents, their response was less supportive. They were livid. They uploaded a response video on their secondary channel, claiming that I was blowing things out of proportion, that they were just having fun, and that I was trying to smear their reputation for sympathy. What they didn't expect was Clara suing me for invasion of privacy. Order! Order in the court! Judge's gavel boomed through the packed room as Clara's lawyer pointed at me, his voice ringing out with accusations. John intentionally sought to tarnish my client's reputation with false claims. I'd been prepping for this. My lawyer had drilled it into me. Stay calm, present your truth, and don't let them rattle you. But nothing could have prepared me for the way my heart pounded against my chest as I stood to defend myself. Your Honor, if I may. I locked eyes with Clara, her smug smirk a sharp reminder of why I was here. I simply made public the truth. The truth of Clara's intentions and the truth of my life as my parents' unwilling clown. Laughter rippled through the courtroom at my quip, but was quickly hushed. Clara's lawyer jumped to his feet, but the judge waved him down. The evidence is clear, Your Honor, I continued, scanning the faces in the room. I turned to look at my parents, sitting stifly, their faces pale. I'm not a gold mine for you to exploit, nor a plaything for your amusement. I addressed them, ignoring the collective gasp that echoed in the room. And Clara, your plans to profit from my life at my expense are over, I announced, meeting her eyes. She shifted uncomfortably, and for the first time, I saw a crack in her confident facade. But even with the truth out, 
the court ruled in Clara's favor, because in the eyes of the law, she did not take her plan to the end. I exposed her before it got too far. As I pushed open the courthouse doors, I was bombarded with camera flashes and a crescendo of voices. Microphones were shoved towards me, each reporter wanting their exclusive bit. Any comments about the verdict? A reporter hollered, elbowing his way to the front. I chuckled, running a hand through my hair. You know what? I'm good. Justice may be blind, but the parents aren't. So yeah, I lost in court, but look around. I gestured to the crowd, their eyes fixated on me with a mix of awe and respect. I won in the eyes of the people. Applause rang through the crowd, whistles punctuating the air. John! 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 They chanted, my name rising and falling like a wave. The next question cut through. How do you feel about your parents' reaction? Ah, the counter video. That was something. Honestly, I think it just proves my point. They're so wrapped up in their fame. They don't see the harm they've done. John, what will you do now? Another question rang out. What will I do now? A slow grin spreading on my face. I'll live. Without pranks, without humiliation, and certainly without gold diggers. I'll live for myself. As I stepped into the waiting car, the chants of my name followed me, a triumphant anthem that filled the air. For the first time, I felt heard, seen, validated. I may have lost in the courtroom, but in the court of public opinion, I was a hero. I was finally free, and damn, did it feel good. I couldn't believe my luck. I stood there, in the middle of mopping the office floors, staring at the bulletin board. My name's Grant. And the company I worked for was holding a raffle for an all-expenses-paid trip to a super-exclusive private island in the Philippines. You won, Grant! You won! Everyone was clapping and cheering for me. Except one. The office manager. She was livid. She strutted to me, took the mop from my hands, broke it on her knee, and kicked my mop bucket, spilling all the dirty mop water all over the place. How dare you disobey my orders? Didn't I tell you all to sign my name on your entries for the raffle? I had always wanted to travel, but I've always been too poor to do so. Never even been to another state. And now, I was going on my first ever trip on a plane. In first class! I was so glad I didn't give in to our manager's demands to write her name on the raffle ticket I got. Otherwise, she would have won that trip. And she would have rubbed it all in our faces. Sheila slapped me and glared at me. Now, do your job and clean up all this mess! But then, the CEO's office door opened. What's all this commotion? This dumb janitor spilled all the mop water everywhere. You should fire him, boss. He's useless. Uh, that's not true. She broke the janitor's mop and slapped him because she's mad she didn't win the raffle. That's right, boss. She made us all sign her name on our raffle tickets so she'd win. And now that she didn't, she's taking it out on Grant. She's been terrorizing us this whole time, boss. Sheila's face was one of unimaginable rage. Nobody had ever stood up to her like that before. But now, somehow the office was done with her being a total prick. Uh, that's not true, boss. I would never do something like that. Her lie was easily disproved when the CEO took the box where they put all the raffle entries 
and discovered that a lot of the names are just Sheila's. She begged the CEO not to fire her, and she didn't. Her CEO instead demoted her to being the janitor, and she promoted me as a clerk. I was so happy. Finally, my life was turning around. Everyone congratulated me on winning the trip, and they were all there to see me off at the airport. First class was even more luxurious than I had imagined. The pretty flight attendant brought me everything I wanted and even tucked me in to sleep with the warmest, most comfortable blanket I'd ever been under. Our flight stopped in Dubai, where I got to go shopping for free, courtesy of our company's black card. Our CEO gave me free reign to spend as much as I wanted as an apology for how Sheila treated me. I was scared to spend too much, but I bought my girlfriend a designer bag and a few souvenirs and gifts for my friends back at the office. When I finally landed at our destination island, I was blown away. I never thought how different my small hometown was compared to the rest of the world. There, the sky was so blue, and the water was all different shades of blue and turquoise. It was clearer and cleaner than the tap water I get at home. I got to go on tours and saw turtles and whale sharks and a million different colors of corals and fish. The hotel I was staying at treated me like royalty. I stayed at a suite that was right on the beach. And every morning, I would have breakfast on the sand while employees of the exclusive hotel fanned me with palm leaves and served me in every way. Then... One day, I saw a yacht dock near my beach villa. I was so surprised at the people who came out of the hundred-foot super yacht. There were 15 of them, all A-list celebrities, models, and billionaire businessmen. Leading them was Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, and their family. This happened before they broke up, so they were still all together. One of their friends was a supermodel I recognized. I've had the biggest crush on her ever since I was in high school, and I couldn't believe my luck when she passed by my table on the beach as I was having breakfast, and she smiled right at me. I couldn't help but blush. My waitress leaned in and told me that those guys often ate at the hotel because Brad had a private island close by. Oh, what I wouldn't have given to see that. Although, I was pretty shy, so I never even managed to approach them, even for a selfie. Little did I know, that very night, my wishes would come true. For when I got back to my villa after a scuba diving tour, I saw a girl crying in my bed. Uh, who, who are you? Are you supposed to be here? Uh, oh, oh, I'm... I'm sorry. I was looking for refuge, and I snuck into the nearest room I could find. I'm so... so sorry. You left your door open, so... Oh, my God. Y you're... Adriana! She was crying, and her face was all red. But I would recognize her face anywhere. Why... Yes. How did you know? Everyone knows your name where I come from. Are you kidding? That made her smile. Turned out, even A-list supermodels like her are just like us. They're just people with their own sets of problems and insecurities.
Adriana was crying because her father was forcing her to marry one of the businessmen in Brad's party, and she didn't like him at all. She was prepared to do anything it took to not be around him, but her father said he would have her tied up and delivered to Roland if she didn't marry him willingly. So, she asked for my help. Now, I didn't know exactly what I was agreeing to, and I didn't know how dangerous that Roland guy was, because as soon as she heard that Adriana was staying in my room, he got me captured by his bodyguards. I was brought to a dark room with only one hanging lamp. He sat me down and gave me two choices. Leave Adriana alone. Never talk to her again. Ignore her. And I will reward you. I can talk to some people. I know the owner of this resort. Have you ever dreamed of living and working in a paradise island like this? Uh, um... Yeah, I guess. But I can't just betray Adriana. We've become friends over the last few days. <laughs> friends? <sighs> oh, please. Adriana would never even talk to a bottom feeder like you. She's just using you. I heard you were a janitor back home. Wouldn't you want to be rich? I can talk to the owner of this resort. I can make you this resort's manager. Walter, give him the bag. The bodyguard slammed a duffel bag on the table. When I saw what was in it, my eyes couldn't hide my surprise. That's one hundred thousand dollars, in addition to your new position as resort manager. I suggest you take my offer, because your second choice won't be as pretty. I know where you live. And I know your mom is sick. What would happen if I make you unable to work ever again? I took Roland's offer. Honestly, I was just so scared. And the money would be more than enough to get my mom the treatment she needed for her sickness. But as soon as I got back to my room to fetch Adriana, I felt a thud and I was out cold. When I woke up, I was in a huge kitchen. There was a priest in front of me, and Adriana was smiling beside me. She was marrying me. Oh, good. He's awake. Now let's continue. Grant, do you take Adriana to be your wife? My mind raced. I, I would love nothing else in the world, but... My mom... The money. Roland's threats. No, I... I can't. I... I'm s I'm sorry. Roland, he... Adriana began to cry. And then she ran away. The next day, Roland had already made me into the hotel manager. Roland even called my boss back home to tell her of my new job. And all my co-workers were so happy for me. I didn't know how hard a job it was going to be. I worked day in and day out, 17 hours a day. I was so exhausted all the time that one day, I just passed out. But when I woke up, I wasn't in my office. I woke up in a beach villa ten times more luxurious than the resort. And Adriana was in a corner, sipping tea. I know he got to you. What is it? Did he bribe you? 
threaten you? I thought you said you'd help me. You did both. I'm sorry. Where are we? I looked out the window and saw the resort was nowhere to be found. I was in a completely different island. I had to take you away. Out of Roland's grasps. What offer did he make you? I told her my situation. My mom's sickness. I'll double what he gave you. And obviously you should keep the money he gave you. That way, you have 300 grand. I'll send someone to fetch your mom and keep her safe. I have powerful friends too, you know. And if you marry me, Roland will not be able to touch us. That very night, Adriana brought the priest again. And that night, I said yes. We were married on a paradise island in the middle of nowhere under the stars. And it was perfect. But just then, Brad's yacht arrived. The celebrities ran down towards us. They were all worried about Adriana having been missing for many days. Did this man capture you? Someone, call the cops! Adriana just laughed. No, quite the opposite. I captured him. And now we're married! Roland came running down the yacht and grabbed Adriana's arm. How dare you defy me! Get your hands off my wife! Or what? Or... This! I took out my phone and started playing a recording of Roland's voice. Everyone heard his threats. His evil plans. What Roland didn't know is that I learned long ago to record everything every time I was in trouble. And when he captured me, I had everything on tape. Now, I had the power to topple his business empire if I wanted. And his friends have heard how trash he really was. Roland whimpered like a scared dog and ran. He was so embarrassed, he ran to one of the lifeboats and started paddling out of there with his bodyguards. The celebrities, Adriana and I, partied all night on that paradise island to celebrate our wedding. Who would have thought a janitor like me would end up married to a supermodel and having celebrity friends? Sometimes, I would look up the tall skyscrapers as I walked down the city streets begging for money. I used to live in one of those. I used to have a view of the ocean, a concierge, a doorman. I tipped my valet well, and he was a friend of the family. But that all feels like a lifetime ago. Now, I'm alone, penniless, washing car windows and begging strangers for change for a living. It all started when I met Chelsea at a charity gala. She was the prettiest girl in the room, and I was the richest one. Hi, I'm Drake. I just thought I'd introduce myself, seeing as we'll be married soon. Chelsea laughed at my cheesy line, but it worked. A year later, we got married at a cathedral in Spain. We flew our friends and family over. We had a ceremony filled with luxury. A whole orchestra, ten pairs of swans, white flowers bedecked the whole place. And yet, as soon as the wedding was over, all Chelsea did was complain. I mean, sure, Bali is Bali, but isn't it a bit uninspired for a honeymoon? Half the people here are Australians. I wish you'd have taken me to Switzerland or Cape Town. You're Drake Nathans for crying out loud. All of Hollywood is at your feet and you take me to Bali? 
She said this as she sipped on a $100 drink while lounging on a yacht next to a private tropical island. Chelsea's appetites were insatiable. She bought everything she fancied. Five years after our wedding, there were still clothes, bags, and necklaces that she bought with my money on our honeymoon that she hadn't even worn once. Chelsea quit her job the moment we got home and became a professional leech. All she did was attend celebrity parties and flirt with guys twice her age. She complained that I didn't give her a big enough allowance and didn't buy her expensive gifts. Meanwhile, she used my card to go on shopping sprees and to treat her girlfriends to lavish vacations. When she had our kids, the spending only got worse. She was never home, and I had to take care of the kids myself, even when I was filming. The kids loved it, though. But one day, I came home and Chelsea was gone, and so were the kids. My paintings, my statues, my cars, all gone. My safe was emptied, and the bank account was drained. I heard she ran off with some young model she met at a party, and no matter how much I spent on private investigators, they couldn't find her. I wouldn't have minded being poor if I had my kids, but she took them, and she didn't even care about them. Then, she had someone deliver a message. She would only give my kids back if I sent her money. Lots of it. I sold what I could. I borrowed from the bank, but no matter how much I sent, my kids never appeared. I worked as much as I could, but the financial hole Chelsea left in me was too vast. And soon, I was deep in debt. The banks took my house, they took everything that I had left, and I became a pauper. I had to live on the streets. It was tough at first. My friends tried to help, but Chelsea told everyone I was a bad father and that I did unspeakable stuff to her. Nobody believed me when I denied her lies. I was alone in the world. People who passed me by would recognize me and insult me. They would take photos and make memes about how low I sank. After a while, people moved on, and the world forgot about Drake Nathans. The only way I could really make money was teaching self-defense in martial arts classes. It was at least one skill from my acting career that could make stable money. I was on my way to interview for a job when I saw a commotion break out. A girl wearing copious amounts of jewelry was running down the street, and three crooks were running after her. They cornered her in an alley, and I ran through traffic, dodged and jumped over cars just to get there in time. One of them already had the girl in his grasp. And don't move. If you come any closer, she's a goner. You don't want to get tangled up in this, homeless guy. Run along. Here's a dollar. The guy tossed a bunch of coins at my face, but I caught one and threw it back straight at him. While they were all shocked, I swiped the first guy with my feet and he fell to the ground. I elbowed the other one in the gut and he doubled over. And then I ran at the wall and used that to jump behind the third guy. I grabbed his arm and put it behind his back. The girl was free. You're safe now, miss. Suddenly, ten guys in suits came rushing towards us. Two of them grabbed my arms and pushed me to the ground. Princess, are you alright? Princess? Shut up, you lowlife. Did these guys hurt you, Princess? Hudson, call the cops. We'll need to investigate who's behind this. I... I'm sorry, but the guy you're holding down, he's not with them. He's the one that saved me. Suddenly, I was being helped up. The guys apologized, and the princess asked if there was anything she could do to thank me. That was when one of the guards recognized me. Holy, that's Drake Nathan's. Dude. Drake Nathans? Who's that? 
The princess drove me to her mansion in the city, and she had someone bring me fresh clothes. She housed me in her guest house and fed me, and when I had rested, she summoned me to her room. She had spent the whole night watching all my movies. She listened to my story, and she pitied me. And so, as a reward for saving her, she made me her personal trainer and martial arts instructor. I taught her judo, and there were times where her face would come so close to mine and she would grab my arm to disarm me, and it made all the maids watching us blush. One time, she lost her balance, and her lips landed on my neck. I had goosebumps all over, and we both jumped back in embarrassment. Hands off her, you! I looked around and saw the princess's fiancé. Aren't you being too comfortable touching the princess like that? Oh, he didn't mean it. I... I fell. Nevertheless, a peasant shouldn't be touching a princess. You should make him wear gloves. You, servant, go fetch me some tea. The princess and I have something to discuss. But the princess's lessons are unimportant compared to the royal wedding. I was dismissed, and that night the princess came to me crying. She had no desire to marry Kirin, especially because when they were young, Kirin told her she was ugly. But now that she was going to be queen, he used his family's influence to get engaged to her. Nobody liked the guy. Even the guards would have hit him already if he wasn't a lord. He treated everyone as if he owned them. And I didn't want the princess to end up with a guy like that. But princess, I can't do anything about it. I'm not a princess. I'm just Kate when I'm with you. You make me happy. You're the one I want to marry. She took my face and kissed me. And for three long, infinite seconds, I felt heaven. It wasn't just in my head. She was in love with me too. See? You can do something about it. If you love me, take me with you. You have to take me out of here. I didn't want to put Kate's life in that position. But when I overheard Kieran confess that it was him who sent those thugs after Kate, everything changed. Kate's safety was at stake, and I did the one thing that I knew would protect her. We ran. And for months, Kieran's thugs hunted us. Kate and I sent coded messages back to the palace to tell everyone we were okay, and our guards gathered evidence for what Kieran did. One night, while we were in one of our hideouts, the stars were so beautiful that Kate and I decided to go for a walk on the beach. The waves were so tall, and the boats were camouflaged, so we didn't hear them approach. Suddenly, we were surrounded by Kieran's thugs. I fought them off one by one, but I was running out of steam. Kate began sobbing from hopelessness, and just when I couldn't fight anymore, a bright light shone on us from above. Soldiers rappelled down the beach, and one by one, Kieran's thugs were apprehended. Princess, I'm so glad we got here in time. We were saved. The palace couldn't prove that Kieran had had bad motives, and so they basically used us as bait. But it all worked out in the end, and Kieran was taken to prison. Our story became a spectacle. The whole world wanted to know our stories. Someone even made a movie out of it, starring me. Finally, I was back in Hollywood, and my stardom was restored. At the movie's premiere, I felt someone grab my arm. I was pulled back, and immediately guards surrounded us. I looked back and saw my ex-wife behind the barricades, and she had my kids. They were all grown up. 
We lost it all. Ran, ran out of money. I've been raising them on my own all this time. Please, please help me. Sir, do you know this woman? I looked her up and down and then I smiled. No, I don't know this woman. The Chelsea I knew would have never worn a dress with holes in them. She would have worn makeup and she would have had jewels everywhere. She might claim to be my wife, but she's not. Those are my kids, though. Let them in. Chelsea begged to be let in with our sons, but I just ignored her. I'm sorry. Take me back. We can be married again. I looked at her one last time. Marry you? When I have a princess as my fiance? Kate showed everyone the sapphire ring I gave her. And as the paparazzi cameras flashed all around us... We kissed. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 